Gift Biz Unwrapped, Episode 27. It's brought in a huge stream of revenue for us that was so easily implemented. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I'm joined by Jane Wagner. Jane's background includes over 25 years in advertising media. She began working for advertising agencies and then moved into the print and digital advertising sales position for national magazines, including Reader's Digest, Good Housekeeping, Harper's Bazaar, and Bon Appetit. The work life was intense and called for frequent travel. How many of us can relate to that? After having been in New York City on 9-11 and then facing cancer three years later, fortunately diagnosed early, her desire to find a better life balance became a priority. Jane and her husband, Eric, bought a weekend farm and vineyard retreat in southwest Michigan about 11 years ago and became interested in making wine. They purchased Hickory Creek Winery four years ago and have since tripled sales in the tasting room. Eric handles the winemaking and vineyard work, and Jane does all the marketing, sales, events, and managing of the tasting room. Jane's take on the business? It's truly been a labor of love, lots of blood, sweat, and tears, but it is certainly so rewarding to actually create and sell a beautiful product that we crafted ourselves. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thanks. I'm excited, Sue. Is there anything you'd like to add to your intro before we get started? I think you covered it very well. The only thing I I neglected to tell you is that we also, as part of the winery property, we rent out a guest house, and instead of calling it bed and breakfast, we call it bed and wine, so it's (laughs) B&W. Oh, I love that. (laughs) As our listeners know, we like to align the conversation around the life of a motivational candle. The light shines on you while you share your stories and experiences. So Jane, shall we, I'm not even going to say light it up. Shall we drink and light the candle at the same time? How about that? Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's pretend I'm walking into your tasting room. I'm going to envision a beautiful wood-lined room and you've got some wine lined up for us to taste and you've also got a beautiful candle sitting on the tasting table. Mm-hmm. What color is that candle? Well, it would be my favorite color, which is turquoise. What about turquoise do you love? I've always loved a family of blue colors and for some reason it's always attracted me and it's interesting because I'm born in December and I guess that's the gem for that month. So I don't know, maybe there's some truth in that and assigning a gem to a <laughs> birth month. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got the same birthday month, I might add. <laughs> oh, great. Well, mine's New Year's Eve, so I'm a, oh, no, I'm a little earlier. Oh. <laughs> I'm a little earlier. You, get, you get to have a big party every year though for your birthday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And what is the motivational quote that would be on that candle? Well, it would be one from Gandhi, and I truly believe this, that a man is but a product of his thoughts, what he thinks he becomes. And uh, I can say that's been the case since I was a child. And not even really conscious of that, but it just is things have turned out that way. 
It's crazy. It's that law of attraction type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked a lot in your intro about the advancement of your career from being in advertising sales and then happening upon this whole new venture that you have. But let's talk about it a little bit. Can you give us some more details? Start from when you thought, you know, I'm going to change this up. I don't want to travel anymore. Advertising sales now is something that I want to move out of and into something else. How did you get into this whole opposite <laughs> idea of a vineyard? Well, yeah, it just fell into place, basically, because as you mentioned, after the events of being in New York on 9-11 and being with a group of people who actually lost loved ones at the time and all that emotion surrounding that, I found after that uh, trauma, actually, I wasn't able to travel very well without having panic attacks and anxiety. (laughs) And I started thinking about the career that I was in. I loved it, but it was highly stressful. And I just really wasn't enjoying it as much. When I started in advertising sales, it really was a business of relationships, which I loved. And as things have transpired, it's really become more about numbers and really not even face-to-face contact anymore. And expense accounts cut back, you know, you really couldn't do the fun stuff and fostering that. That's one of the things I love. I love people. I have an intense curiosity about people and what they do. So it really wasn't as fulfilling anymore. I actually was able to fortunately cut back and do sort of part-time gigs where I would fill in for people in ad sales that were on maternity leave or taking some kind of medical family leave, that sort of thing. So I would do three month stints at different magazines and really fun to, you know, do that and do it short term. And you could always walk away at the end and it was well paid. And I did that for a few years. And then eventually my husband, who's also a veterinarian, needed a new practice manager as vet clinic. And so I decided to take that leap and go in there and help him with that. At the same time, we were looking to really find a place, sort of a retreat we could go to over the weekend, and we found a farm in Michigan and ended up just loving going there. We would travel every weekend. We started up a vineyard. We started doing some beekeeping. We just were really enjoying the rural life. Okay, wait. So back up a minute. uh So, So you want to find a retreat really just to go to, to be able to get away on the weekends, right? Right, right. And so at what point did it turn into this is going to be a business that we're going to develop. How did that all happen? You didn't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you have the business. Right, right. So we were getting into growing grapes. We planted a vineyard. Actually, my husband did all the work. We bought a 40-acre farm. And part of that, we had vines on there. We planted some vines. And then we became a hobby. As a hobby. Lo- is, was yeah. this just as a hobby? Okay. Yeah. All and right, then we got, we got more interested in winemaking. My husband has always been into that, making crafting beer, wine, uh, you name it. His undergraduate's microbiology, so he loved making things. So I would help him out. And we loved, there was a wine trail in the area near our farm, and we would visit the different wineries. And they all grow fruit locally, and we're able to craft wines that were as good as what you would get in Europe because it's similar climate characteristics. We heard about a winery that was for sale, and we ended up taking the leap. We thought, oh, this would be sort of a fun, what we thought kind of semi-retirement hobby thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And while still keeping our life in the Chicago area, we go back and forth every week. And so we took on the winery. It was a big project. It was kind of run down. It had been neglected for a few years. And it's been about four years now, and it's um, just been 
nose to the grindstone, keeping it going, and (laughs) now it's really taken off. So what were the differences? Initially, it was a hobby, and that's where you and Eric could kind of get your fingers wet, if you will, and all the grapes, doing it for fun. But what changes or what realizations did you have making a switch from being a hobby to being a business? I guess one of the biggest things was seeing immediate results from the improvements that we were making. We jumped in the deep end there, not really realizing how much work is truly involved. Because With a winery and vineyard, you know, you actually grow the product, you make the product, and you sell the product. (laughs) There are so many aspects to that. So you had to purchase equipment then if you were going to really turn it into a business. Yes, we had to purchase some equipment. Now, there was some there, but we had to purchase additional equipment. We had to expand the space. The production area wasn't large enough, and it wasn't really to code. We had to cover the production area and close that. And then we had to rip out five acres of vines. We are slowly replanting those. Those had been neglected and covered in poison ivy. So that, and then we also had to tend to the actual revenue producing area, which is in our tasting room, and kind of spiff that up. I had to hire new staff, expand staff, train them, and then also reach out to restaurants and get our product out to stores and restaurants, primarily in the Chicago area. So that involved also my calling on restaurants, going door to door. Mm -hmm. So going back to some of your sales. Exactly, which I love. And face-to-face, which you said you loved, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. So face-to-face in the tasting room and then also outside in the... um, the restaurant and like I said, store market. It sounds like a lot of work, but terribly exciting. It was so exciting. The first summer there, we had a huge heat wave. (laughs) The grapes liked the heat and the sunshine. So we had a tremendous harvest. So the first year was just a whirlwind of activity, excitement, the big harvest. And my husband loved that, crafting all the different wines. And then in subsequent years, you know, we've had challenges because of this polar vortex that came down over the Great Lakes that we've lost a lot of vines. And it's very heartbreaking. And we've been exposed to what it's truly like to be a farmer and not be in control. So what did you do about that? That leads perfectly into my next question in that when you start a business, you know, you think you can lay everything out and it's going to be absolutely perfect oh. and everything's going to run according to plan oh and all gosh. of that. Yeah. And as we certainly know about farming, which is what winemaking, of course, is, as you're alluding to, there are those struggles, whether that you cannot control. So what did you do about that? Well, you just have to be incredibly adaptable. You figure out ways around it. Now, we were fortunate. We took a gamble in our first two harvests. We harvest as much as we could. We do source grapes from local vineyards. So we'll get, say, a Pinot Noir grape from a vineyard we know that has great Pinot Noir. We'll get a Riesling from another vineyard, all within like a 10-mile radius of the winery. And we contracted and we spent a lot of money, made a huge investment, but we thought, let's just go while the going's good and let's bring in all these grapes, which was great because then the last two years, last year there was no harvest. It was so sad. And this year we're going to have a small, like a modest harvest. And a lot of the other wineries in the area are having to actually bring in juice from the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington. They literally take semis and pack them with wine juice and then ship them over here. And that's what we just have to do if you want to have product. But then it still goes through your 
process Correct. in terms of the wine creation. Correct. Yeah. So then you can you still put the label on as it's yours, right? You do. And then, mm-hmm. and then do you have to make any mention of where the grapes come from? You if- do. Yeah, that's another really complicated part about being in any kind of liquor industry is the government regulations, the bureaucracy involved with that. But it's good though because you do you have to list it as American. So you don't source your local, what's called American Viticulture Area, which is our Lake Michigan shore in Michigan. Normally, we put that on the bottle, but because, let's say, the grapes don't come or the juice doesn't come from our area, then we can just say American table wine or whatever. So, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Is there any other challenges that you've had as you've been building the business that you think you have some advice or some guidance for our listeners who are just starting off in business? It's really all about service, particularly in the wine industry. What we've learned is that it's about the experience. It's not necessarily serving up the best wine or intimidating people say when they come in like, oh, we've got the finest wine. (laughs) It's more about making it a real destination experience. People find it romantic. They find it really interesting. Of course, everyone loves to drink wine, or most people do anyway, and it's educational. But we also are finding that's becoming more of a destination for group parties like bachelorette parties, wedding parties, that sort of thing. I learned early on it was all about hiring staff for their personality and not necessarily for their knowledge, because you can train people, but you can't train personality. Oh, that's a really good point. And so what are you looking at as you go through the interview process? What are your signals that this is a go or a no-go? A lot of it is that people that seek us out, the best hires that I've had are people that have come to me and said, I want to work here. You know, I love wine. This is what I want to do. And I make sure, okay, you know, you love wine, but have you worked in the service or hospitality industry, that sort of thing. It's a very demanding job. You have to be up for six hours, and sometimes it can be difficult. You know, people sometimes are a little overserved. You're legally bound to make sure you don't serve that person any more wine. And, you know, sometimes it's tough. I mean, I've never been a bartender, but you really you have to be on and keeping them happy, but also towing the line that they don't get overserved and that sort of thing. So it's someone that's going to be very energetic and also very positive and definitely love people. When we first purchased the winery, there were a couple staff people that were there from the old regime that we kept on. And one of the salespeople was a little bit, I'd have to say she was burnt out. You know, she was moody and she gets, she was sort of impatient and intolerant. And I read all of our reviews. I think that's very important to go to Yelp and TripAdvisor and read, get the feedback, get as much feedback as you can. And a couple times people were mentioning that. So we talked to this employee and she decided that, yes, maybe it wasn't the best thing for her. She ended up leaving and actually in a much better situation now. But it is it's a job that requires a distinct personality type. And it's definitely going to have to be someone that's passionate about getting to know people and having fun and at the same time not have too much fun. <laughs> be responsible too. Right. And gift biz listeners, I want to point out what Jane's talking about here. A couple of really interesting things to keep in mind. When you're interviewing people, when you get to the point where you're hiring on or you've taken on a staff that was there before as Jane had, you need to talk to everybody and make sure personality versus experience. That's an interesting perspective and I think all of us for each of our individual businesses needs to wait that 
but a very interesting perspective in terms of personality, especially if you're working one-on-one with customers. Secondly, your other point was making sure you're reading what customers are saying. You've got to tap into whether it's Yelp or Facebook or TripAdvisor, wherever it is, and make sure you're on top of what the reputation is that's building for you online. And finally, I think, and I will pat you on the back, Jane, because a lot of people struggle if they find an employee that she probably loved her job in the beginning, but it just, you know, you start to burn out for one reason or another. But, you know, taking care of those situations sooner versus later. And you were saying, too, that she also needed to move on and she's in a happier place and you're much better off as well. So taking action quickly if you're finding that you have an employee that maybe has just run his or her time with the business. Yeah, it's true. And actually, my husband, he's really good at handling that because I do not like conflict. I'm a salesperson at heart. So did you push it off on him? He got he got to have the conversation probably. He kind of did. Yeah, he did. I mean, I followed up, but he is so skilled at that. And I guess having been a veterinarian and having to tell people bad news a lot. No, he's just... Yeah, yeah. But then I kind of follow up with her and we did provide that compassion. And, you know, she was a dedicated employee. I offered her other opportunities within the winery that she'd be good at, but she just decided that she needed to, to move on and do something. And she's actually one of our best customers. <laughs> she comes once a year and buys a couple thousand dollars worth of wine. She loves the wine. And so it's kind of funny how it all worked out. Yeah, well, you clearly handled the situation properly. I mean, just because someone is no longer going to work with you anymore, doesn't mean that it has to be cutting the ties in a bad scene at all. Exactly. Yeah. Is there a promotion or an event that you could share with our listeners of something that you might have done that helped move the needle in terms of sales? Yeah. And this isn't anything brand new, but it somewhat is new to the area where our winery is located. And that is we established a wine club. And what we find is people really want to feel a sense of community. We would just leave out a book for people to sign up just to get on our email list. And almost everyone that visited the winery wanted to be on our email list just to get information. And the thing about wine clubs is it's basically helps sustain you through the months when you're not as busy. And that's going to be November through April. We don't have as many customers coming in. It's definitely a downtime. You know, what do we do to keep our our staff busy? What can we do to keep the revenue flowing? And the wine club has been tremendous. We do a mailing just twice a year, and people can either have the wine shipped to their home or we'll have pickup parties, we call them, at the winery where they can come and pick up their wine club shipment and then have some snacks out there, maybe some music, that sort of thing. It's brought in a huge stream of revenue for us that was so easily implemented. Well, you're talking to people who already love your product. They do. But a lot of times, too, it's they just want to be part of the winery. They want to come by. Our staff, they remember faces, they'll greet them, they'll come have a glass of wine on a Sunday afternoon, sit outside, hang out. And that's what we're looking for, you know, and that's what sets us apart maybe from some of the other wineries, because we are smaller, we're just, we're much more connected to these customers. So that's been a terrific thing. And I think people are really seeking that nowadays, they want to find a community somehow. And if you can provide that in some way to your customers, I think you'll get an edge over some of the other stores. 
And it's so easy nowadays with database and social media and all that too. Sure. No excuse not to. (laughs) Sure. And it also makes your customers feel special. They get to be included in this group. And then do you offer them any product discounts? Yes. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. There's the incentives. We offer discounts depending on how many bottles of wine goes with their shipment, we call it, or pickup. And then also we built a private member's lounge. We renovated an area upstairs so people can go hang out. We've got leather couches there and sort of a rustic farmhouse look. And so when it gets really busy in the tasting room, the members can go to a separate area and have a quiet glass of wine or chat with some of the staff, that sort of thing. Wow, that's really special. You know, it makes people want to be loyal to you and again, makes them feel so good that they're being identified as kind of a priority because they have supported you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they bring their friends. We also offer free tastings, depending on the membership level, we'll offer, you know, you can bring two of your friends along for free or four for tastings, that sort of thing. So it introduces new people too. Yeah, it introduces new people and it creates loyalty. People are going to stick with you. You know, it all goes back to what you were talking about before the relationships. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Gift Biz listeners, what are you doing for your business? Do you have a special community that you've created that helps people be loyal to your business and things that you're giving something special back to them in return? So what Jane has, I mean, I just wanted to like get in my car and drive out there right now. <laughs> it's beautiful right now. It's the time yeah, to with, visit. With the leaves changing and all. As we're doing this interview, everybody, it's just the beginning of October and you were saying it's harvest season. So I think after you jump off this call, you said you're going to be driving out there right now. Yeah. Yep, so yep. lots going on, a lot of activity there right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's beautiful with the leaves changing and you can smell the grapes because oh. there are a lot of Concord grapes in the area too. It smells like Welch's great jelly everywhere. (laughs) So Jane, we're going to move into the reflection section now. This is a look at you and what's helped you with your success all along the way with your career. What's one natural trait that you have that you think has helped you to succeed? Well, I have an intense curiosity about people and maybe even their businesses. That's something that's always driven me. So I really am very interested. I think it's authentically interested in getting to know people. I inherited those traits from my dad. He was a salesman too. And I think that comes across. And I'm also very empathetic. I'm able to put myself in those people's shoes and try to find a solution to whatever they may need. Now that worked more obviously in the corporate world, but even to some extent in the winery and the tasting room. We get a lot of people that have never really had any wine before. They're sweet wine drinkers. And I want to introduce them to dry wine, to finer wines, but you don't want to intimidate them or insult them in any way. So you just kind of, you have to kind of feel them out and get them to try some different things. And they remember you for that. So Sure, because you're really changing the tasting experience based on who they are and what they've experienced already. Right, exactly. So that I think that's what's really been my thing. And also, I was able to identify pretty early on in my career that management's not my thing. I like being a salesperson. I like going out on my own. I like having control of the situation. 
I realized that. And so I've um, always found people to compliment that. Um, like I was saying with my husband, he's a great manager. So, you know, he handles certain things better than I do. And so I think it's say be able, being able to identify your strengths too, you know, recognizing them. And so I've been able to do that. Well, and that's a good point too. play to your strengths. So many people, if they know, let's say in your example, that you don't really feel like you either have the manager skills or even want to gravitate to that. So many people that will take classes to perfect themselves in a skill that they're lacking versus going with the natural flow of who you are as a person and just sticking with what naturally comes to you. And you can advance so much faster. And this is something that I've learned along the way too. You advance so much faster if you just take advantage of your natural traits versus your own natural traits versus trying to build up what are less than natural for you. Because not everyone can excel in everything, of course. So that is so true because everyone feels like, oh, I've got to learn how to be a better manager. And yeah, I struggled with that for years. It just wasn't in my makeup. I try to lead by showing. I try to set a good example. And that's the way I manage things. Really great point. All right. And so Jane, what tool do you use regularly to help you keep productive or else help you keep your balance, your life balance? Technically speaking, I love Google calendars because, and I love the Google Drive because I'm in different places all the time. I'm in Chicago, I'm in Michigan, I'm traveling, whatever. And I like being able to access all that information and share calendars, setting up group appointments at the winery, that sort of stuff with our staff. So we're all on the same page. And how long have you been using that platform? Probably like three years now. When we first started, we had like handwritten in a notebook, and then I'd have to call my tasting room manager and say, what's on the books for this? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? So yeah, we got into that. And then my college degree was actually in art, graphic design and painting. And for 25 years, I did nothing or almost 30 years, nothing with it. And now I'm finding that it's really important that I get back to that. So I'm enjoying painting again. I've done yoga for 30 years. I just feel like in order to have that freedom and creativity in your life too, just to get a better perspective. Steve Jobs always talked about how we do walking meditation. And I never really realized it till I read his book. But that's kind of what I do too. I'll go on long walks and just reflect on things. And I'll go through stuff in my head. And it's just sort of a good way to to sort things out, I find. So, so. what you're saying is it's not all about the wine. Got to be about some other things as well. I drink too much wine. Yeah, (laughs) I love wine. Everywhere I go, I have to have wine. I have to try it. That's great, too. But yeah, you got to definitely keep tabs on that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what book have you read lately that you think our listeners would find value in? Well, a lot of the Malcolm Gladwell books, his latest outliers is is interesting. And I know that you've talked about that on other podcasts. Back when I worked in advertising sales, a lot of times uh, we would read those books to help educate ourselves. But one book that I find is really, it's very practical and it's fantastic for service is Zingerman's Guide to Giving Great Service. And Zingerman's is a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it has been known for years for its incredible service. And they've been very successful and branched out to catalog work. They sell stuff nationally now, internationally, even through their catalogs. The fellow that started it is actually sort of a motivational speaker or a speaker um, that goes around and helps train people on giving great service. Someone suggested this book to me when I first bought the winery because I was kind of struggling with, 
like I, I knew what to do because intrinsically I know how to provide great service, but how do I train others? Like practically, what do I do? And this book offers step-by-step advice on how to train your staff. And in retail situations like ours, it's, it's so critical. Mm-hmm. One thing he talks about is the 10 second rule. And this is so true. When someone walks in the door, no matter how busy you are, whatever, you look up and you establish eye contact with them. You nod your head, you greet, you say just a second, whatever. But you don't let anyone walk in and not provide that greeting within 10 seconds. It's critical that you let people know that they're welcome when they come in the door. And I especially find that in the winery, it's true, because people sometimes are intimidated. They don't know what it's all about. So Right, because that way you can at least make them feel a little bit included, even if you're in the middle of something, you've acknowledged their presence. Exactly. I mean, how many times have you gone in a store and and maybe uh, someone's not looking at you, they're on their cell phone or texting? It's a horrible feeling when that happens, you know, and all I can think is, boy, I wish I could talk to their manager or the owner. They would die if they knew what was going on right now in their store. Yeah. Or, you know, someone then feels inferior because if you're paying attention only to the people that, let's say, you're serving wine to and don't even acknowledge them, it's like, well, what am I? I mean, I've walked in here, too. Things like that. And also about how to hire good people. Yeah, sounds like a great book. Oh, it's so good. It really is. And it's a great deli, too, if you ever get over to Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> so, Well, there you go. A little plug for them, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I happened to be there. Uh, we were over in Niagara Falls, and we drove back through Detroit area. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stop in Ann Arbor and go to Zingerman's and test and see how their service is lately. And sure enough, they were fantastic. So... <laughs> Well, good to hear that. They're following their own advice then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible for you to get an audiobook, just like the one Jane is recommending, for free. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. That's giftbizbook.com. All right, Jane, I'm sad to say that our time is beginning to wind down. We've arrived at the dare to dream question. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside? Well, I have to say more time. (laughs) It's not the most original thing, but there's so many things I still want to do. And I really want to travel the world. I want to explore. I really want to do something to improve the world somehow. I know making wine and selling it's something that's good, but I've always volunteered. And somehow in my next iteration, I really want to do something to provide more service to people or animals in need. So my husband and I talk about that just a little bit further down the road, obviously. Well, it sounds like you've targeted into a category. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so you just keep your mind open and, you know, see what presents itself as you move on. Who knew that you were going to have a winery 20 years ago? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I kind of roll with it and see what happens. But I feel like if you follow your passions, it's gonna, and you really love what you're doing, it's going to be a success. But there's also that part you feel like you really need to give back, you know, it's really important. Somehow, I want to work towards that in a way too. Yes, I agree. 
So how can our listeners get in touch with you at the winery or also at the home that you rent out? We do have a website, which is hickorycreekwinery.com. And you can get all kinds of information on the website as well as link to our VRBO. It's Home Away VRBO. I don't know if everyone is familiar with that, but that's a vacation rental by owner, they call it, home rental site, and get even more details there. And the winery is in southwest Michigan. We're about an hour and a half from Chicago, so right around the lake. And we also are on Facebook, and we're on Twitter. You know, we're open daily right now. In the wintertime, though, we do cut back our hours just because a lot of people don't want to travel in all that snow. <laughs> so, Well, it's a beautiful time to visit with the leaves changing colors. It's a nice drive if any of you are located in the Midwest and want to get out and do something a little bit different. And if you didn't catch all of the contact information, you know you can jump over to Jane's show notes page on giftbizunwrapped.com. There we'll have some of the detail of the conversation we've had, as well as all the detail of how you can contact her. Thank you so much, Jane, for the valuable gift of sharing your journey. It's such an exciting moment that you're in because your winery is still so new and developing. May your candle always burn bright. Oh, well, thank you very much. And thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Would you like to be on the show? Or do you know someone who can provide valuable insight from their experiences? If so, we'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is submit a form for consideration. You can access the form at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash guest. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information.